And welcome into another edition of the Rinkwise podcast. I am Evan Marinovsky, and today we're gonna we're gonna do something that I always love to do, and that's preview the MIAA, the hockey slate. It's always an exciting part of every winter. It's been that way for a long time, and we're gonna start with boys with Paul McNamara, and then we're gonna go to girls with Patrick Donnelly. But here first with me is Paul McNamara. Paul, what's up? Evan, Happy New Year. Isn't it incredible? It really is. It feels like the start of a new year. I say it the same with, because you got prep that starts in mid to late November, and then December comes. I always feel for the kids, have Thanksgiving, and then Monday comes and tryouts are right there, the just right after Thanksgiving. So you got to, if you're skating a lot in those tryouts, maybe eat a little less turkey, hopefully, I remember having to do. But I want to start with cuz we were all at the Garrett Reagan Summit on Sunday and it was a terrific event lots of teams it's always such a marquee event and that does feel like the start of the new year that feels like January 1 it, it does uh, for high schools as you just said Evan fall sports end on Thanksgiving and so the kids for winter sports can't go out to the Monday after which is 4 or 5 days after Thanksgiving the preps do get a, a couple of week head start and Let's be honest, all these kids are skating in the fall and yep. the summer, whatever, year round. And a lot of them talking to some of the coaches at the summit, they were in leagues where full teams or mostly full teams from the regular season teams are going to be skating against one another. And so, yeah, the season's 12, 14 weeks officially. But if, if you're a hockey athlete, a lot of the kids aren't playing fall sports anymore. Or if they are, it's soccer or, or football. And maybe they've not a playoff team, Thanksgiving ends things, and they're ready to go for the winter madness and and catch up to their prep school brothers or cousins or whatever. But that the Garrett Reagan Summit is, is an awesome event. Every year people gather in the, in the central spot of the world, Marlboro. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> that's the center of the universe. Yes, a, a, a little spot with about 100 ranks under one roof, it seems. Yes. And everybody's excited. Everybody gets uh, to play a, a two-period mini game in a scrimmage. And uh, all these teams are also scrimmaging among themselves or other teams leading up to it. Some have mini two or three or four, uh, three or four team jamborees. I know there's one in Arlington this week, where Arlington, Arlington Catholic, Wellesley, and St. John Shrewsbury will be playing, uh, all with ties to Arlington. And those guys get together and play a round robin a couple of periods each. So the feeling out among other teams early in the season does uh, get everybody ready for the season, which for most teams starts in about another week from uh, we're, we're here today on uh, December 5th, I think. Yeah, and, days uh, are flying by. It's check, hard to keep yeah, track. Check the calendar. But but that, that summit is a great day. Yeah. And uh, they had 70 teams there this That's year. That's incredible. 70? Yeah, and, and I think that was 10 girls teams, too. So they're trying to get the girls' side of things more in. You mentioned mm-hmm. girls' hockey and girls' sports in general are getting so much more popular, as they should. Yeah, I was say, it's a good thing it is. And uh, I know we at My Hockey Live are covering far more girls games than we have in the past uh, that's awesome we've got a good schedule of archbishop williams malden catholic and central catholic girls teams so we get to see a lot of other teams playing those teams which is great yeah no that it is great and i again pat donnelly for us is going to be doing a lot with that uh this year i want to start with boys last year because you and i have not had a chance to catch up on last year we're gonna do this quick because i know people are looking forward to this year well we're gonna find out it's similar to last I was gonna year say, in a lot of ways that's exactly where i'm going with this last year I remember we sat here doing a podcast. I think it was right before the tournament. We were just kind of previewing the tournament. And we both said, 
it's going to be hard to knock off St. John's Prep or CM. It felt like they were the they were one and two all year. They split their series. They were they looked like championship favorites. CM was out, I believe, in the round of 16, or was it the round of eight against Zavarian? That was one of the, I think that was the round of six, or round, elite round eight. of eight, yeah. It was the elite eight. Did you go to that game? We did that game at, at it was Warrior, because I was, was there. It was at Warrior. Yeah. And that was the, the Cole Poulier Porter night. It was. Uh, of his life. It ended up two to one Zavarian in an unbelievable hockey game. Great hockey. I mean, it wasn't all in his end. But when it was, CM just, they, they get down two to nothing, and it's desperation time. And they were throwing everything, including the kitchen sink. They did. At the Zavarian goalie, and he just, he stood so tall, and they moved forward from that game. But you're right, CM and St. John's Prep came in as the number two and the number one teams, respectively, into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Identical 17-2-1 records. And by the way, they played twice during the regular season, and each one on the opposing Yes, home ice. Yep. So there was so little to choose between those two teams, and it was they were consensus number one and number two going into the tournament. And fast forward, not to take away your thunder, but neither team makes the makes no, the championship game. And that was the crazy part. And you know what's interesting though about it? The teams that beat both of those. Now, obviously, Saint, Pope Francis beat Saint John's Prep in the uh, semifinal, so they go to the final. But I think it's very fitting that Zavarian went all the way to the final after beating CM. I think that was such a galvanizing win for them. And you're right, Cole Puglia Porter played. I I want to say that was from what I saw. I mean, again, I know there were tournament games I didn't see throughout the rounds, but that was the best goaltending performance I saw in high school hockey last year, and the, kind of his run to the. Yeah, he, the ba- championship. he backed it up with a shutout in the game you mentioned. The next game against Reading. Yes. Up at Saugus in the semifinals. So, one nothing thriller. Yeah, so an overtime thriller with Joe DiMartino potting the winner for Zavarian in overtime. But what a that was an unbelievable hockey game mm. and, uh, with Reading just catching fire late in the season. We'll talk about Reading as we move forward too. But, but the way things ended up last year, Zavarian – the year before had been a finalist against a St. John's Prep in the Garden. And uh, that year, everybody knew Zavarian was one of the top two or three teams. They started out last year a little bit further back in our uh, predictions and yeah. everybody's. And they actually had eight losses. And they came into the tournament as the number seven seed. They were they were a little iffy to start the year and in the middle of the season there. They lost a lot of kids the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of guys that were were key factors. They had a good sophomore class, which will now be a senior class. They, I mean, those kids were sophomores that previous yes. year. They were juniors last year. And now they're seniors. And, yeah, and the senior class year, last year, it had some numbers, but it had three or four kids that didn't see all that much action so last year they were a bit of a surprise mm-hmm. early in the year and they they took their lumps but they worked their way through and they made it count during tournament time for sure yeah and and they ended up with pope francis who came into the tournament as the four seed last year and we know what they did in the semifinals beating st john's prep one to nothing <laughs> again not a lot of goals at Songa center <laughs> no, that day but uh two in total it's incredible it's like the patriots offenses <laughs> and then uh, uh pope you've done some work with some of the pope guys and they won a lot of one goal games in in this in the postseason tournament and pope's a team that a lot of greater boston people kind of go oh yeah where are they they're somewhere out in, in new york state or something <laughs> 
but they're Not in the Berkshires. Yeah, they're in Springfield, the old Springfield Cathedral. And Coach Brian Foley's been there for a long time and done an unbelievable job. Really great program. job. Yeah. And they've developed kids like Ryan Leonard, who's at BC and won't be there for long. No, that guy. <laughs> but a great program and tradition out there. And they, they play more Eastern Mass teams now. And that gets them tournament ready. They play some Connecticut teams. They play some Rhode Island teams, some New York teams. But they spread the wealth around, and and they are ready to go come tournament time. They were co-champs the year of the world stopped, and they and Arlington shared the title that year because they couldn't play the final. Yep. And they've they've been knocking on the door for a long time. They did win a state title at a lower division earlier, several years back, but. Last year was the they they finally hit pay dirt. Yes, and oh by the way, they're many of their kids played on a national champion <laughs> in in junior hockey that the postseason junior that yes. out in Minnesota. So, yep. So they're national champs and they're they're now state champs. Yeah, I mean it's funny. I've I've talked to Brian Foley and he's gotten used to I, him and a lot of these other coaches, right? The coaches of St. John's Prep, like Chris Christian Hansen and uh, Larry Rooney at CM, and a lot of these uh, coaches at these big schools are used to losing guys to prep schools it's just the name of the game and we talk we do a lot of prep you do a lot of prep at my hockey live and you lose you lose players so transitioning to this season you and i have talked a lot because we are doing a tv show later this week that's going to air later in december where we're running through the top 10 teams in the miaa and when we were putting the list together we said feels like there's four teams and then everybody else and that's really what it feels like. So let's start with the four teams, and then we can get into some of the teams outside of those four who are best positioned, we think, to uh, potentially knock off one of those four. Because last year it was CM and, and SJP and everybody else, and two others took over for them. But so... Yeah, Aaron, let, let's talk about the four, but not identify where they, they yes, fall. Yes, let's unless, not. Let's not. Unless some people have already gone to your write-up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Hopefully they have. But let's start with last year's favorites, St. John's Prep and Catholic Memorial. How do you look at those teams this year? I, I, I know where we ranked them, but uh, how do you look at where they're at and, and, and their outlooks on the season? I think it's – talking about all these teams, we're going to get – Going to get back to, oh, my God, they say that all the time. They say that all the time. Yes. But but some of these teams do just reload. And in the case of these two teams, there's a couple of things to talk about. St. John's Prep lost a few key guys, but they've got a really good core coming back. Yeah, They don't have Aiden Holland, who was Mr. Hockey a couple of years ago. He's graduated on the rear guard. And they've also, they've also lost Nick Brandano, who would have been a junior, mm-hmm. who was a very good defenseman, matured, played from his freshman year on, but... He is one of those kids that have decided or his family has decided that Milton Academy would be a better place for him to play this year. And so he's he's playing in the ISL and he's Mm -hmm. a really good hockey player. So they're missing him uh, on the back line. Jack Doherty is probably their best defenseman coming back Uh, in goal. They've they've brought up some guys that have been on the team that are going to have to fill a role, but. St. John's Prep always has a lot of goaltenders in in the pipeline, yes. if you will. And they've got uh, some great leadership as well. They've got four captains this year. Jake Vanna, everybody knows Jake Vanna's name. Uh, a couple of guys that are a little more under the radar, Cam Amla and Johnny Ty are terrific team players. And then Christian Rosa might be the most skilled player they have up front. And he's he'll probably be playing with Jake Vanna, and those two are dynamic and they, St. John's Prep has a lot of depth. 
the whole Catholic conference plays three teams, a varsity, a JV, and a freshman, and they develop kids to to fill that pipeline, not to use the, overuse that word. It's true, though. But they fill roles, and you see that top to bottom in the Catholic conference. <clears throat> Excuse me, we talked to some of the Zavarian kids the other day, and, and that's evident in their program, and it's evident in, throughout the Catholic conference. So St. John's Prep, nobody shed a tear for losing Brandano, <laughs> although we, we would have loved to have seen him playing on that point position for the prep but he won't be there so they'll they'll have to do without that one guy but you know they'll they'll still flow four lines out there as long as they can and and depend on those leaders that we mentioned cm it's a little bit different story cm was not as deep as as maybe zavarian and st john's prep and bc high back in the day but they had kind of an elevated skill level among several of their players last year that was pretty evident and it's not often some of these teams are are scrambling at the end, like we talked about their game against Avarian, but they, their key guys were on the ice for the last two or three minutes. And yes. that kind of wears you down. I mean, Finn Burke was one of the best defensemen in the States, in the state last year. He's going to play at Bowdoin College, mm-hmm. and everybody had their eyes on him. He moved the puck great out of his own zone, but he was a, a force offensively as he well. He was awesome to watch last year. He was fun to watch. Yeah. And he was the game they won up at St. John's Prep in the regular season, he was the best player on the ice. And he he kind of led the comeback. They were down in that game, and they got the benefit of some power play calls, but some penalty calls that gave him power plays. But Burke delivered and set up a goal, scored a goal, if I recall. And he was their leader. Their leaders up front. Two of the kids are gone. That were that had a lot of eligibility left there. They were young. <laughs> Tyler Hamilton and Joe Marshy or Marky, however uh, some people pronounce it, but a long line of the family and the cousins from the South Shore and. That kid's going to be a player. I both forget where he's gone, but both of them are at Dexter. Okay, well, they went to they Dexter together, yeah. and that's and that's yeah. I mean, they, <clears throat> and they're like I've seen Dexter play once against St. Mark's, and both of them are prominent players on that. Dexter's pretty young this year, but they're very good. Dexter lost a lot, last lost year. a ton, and but Donato <laughs> has both of those kids in prominent roles on that team. So and no it makes sense. It, it makes sense. I mean, Tyler Hamilton. It was before. Uh, I got in this job, but when he was a freshman two years ago, he was centering their top line, right, yeah. for CM? He matured, and he's, he hasn't had to mature because he's just been a, a wonder kid, but he's got a great future, and it's too bad that he left CM from our perspective yeah. as high school hockey guys, and, and same for his, his buddy Joe. A lot's going to fall on the shoulders of Connor Freiberger, yep. who, who's a great player in his own right. Oh, uh, yeah. He's developed, and he's got good size, really good skater, good hockey IQ. So he'll be the leader for CM, and Coach Rooney's a, a darn good coach. He'll find a way to get to get 20 kids out there that are going to compete, and yes, they're among the top four. Yeah, and Nick is another one on that team. Right, a younger right. forward who I think I saw a lot in the fall. I, I remember seeing back at Select Camp, or the Mass Hockey Festival back in the spring. Really good player. Like I think he's sort of poised for a, another big step in his game. He was sort of a guy that was sort of a depth piece for them last year. I think he's going to have a big year this year. So I agree with you on all points on St. John's and Catholic Memorial. Then we get to the finalists from last year, Zavarian and Pope Francis. They are in that four. We're not going mean, to – I'll say this. We have Pope Francis one. <laughs> I'll say that. We have Pope Francis number one. Well, they deserve it. They want it. They deserve that. it. They do. They, they always reload. They had some key losses. Josh Ibe, Josh Ibe. I call him IB, tomato, tomato. You're, pro- you're probably uh, right. And great kid, great player, great leader. He was playing a little bit hurt at times last year, and 
he came through in the playoffs and got some key goals, some key assists, and was a leader on that team. And as we we might have mentioned earlier, he's now at Cushing in a PG year. Mm-hmm. So he didn't leave. He played his, through his eligibility at Pope Francis. But a guy that did leave is C.J. Watroba, who's that kid's destined. I mean, oh, yeah. he's he's played as a regular since a fresh since he was a freshman. People would walk into the rink and watch that kid skate last year, and they'd ask ask me, "Who's that kid? He's got to be their best kid." And I said, "Well, they've got a lot of best kids, <laughs> but, but he's he, just young." Yeah, he's one of them, and so he's no longer. He's playing a, a, for a junior team, I think. Oh, he's with Kimball Union. Oh, he's at Kimball Union. He's at KUA. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good spot for him. It is a good spot. They got high hopes for him. And and he'll be a guy that'll that'll put the puck in the net a lot for that team and throughout the league, and he'll open some eyes up there. But Coach Foley will will, uh, reload. He's got a couple of Nicks back. Nick Petkovich, I think, is back up front, and Nick Ritchie between the pipes, who who was great down the stretch for uh, the Cardinals in their run to the title last year. And uh, you always have to have a goalie to build on. And Pope Francis is blessed with Nick Ritchie. Yeah, oh, they are. And, I, and he was one that it really kind of came on down the stretch of memory serves last they played year. A, yeah, they, they alternated a little bit. Yeah, they did. And then he took over. Two other people I'll highlight with Pope Francis. Mossy Kearney, really good player. Ironically enough, you mentioned Watroba and, and Ivy. They get a lot of the attention. I didn't realize this last Kearney year. Was Kearney, leading Kearney was their <laughs> yeah. leading scorer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is incredible. I think he had 40 points. I mean, he, he and it's funny. I watched him a little bit in the fall with the Thunderbirds, and he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest, he's not the strongest, but he just finds ways to produce. And I think there is – that's a skill that you can't teach. You can't teach a kid how to put the puck in the back of the net or, or set up plays or things like that. So he's one. And then uh, Jake Jarrell on the back end is right. real right. good. Yeah. Like that's a I, – I watched him, I think, get a hat trick in the state tournament in the fall. Really good play, just a good all-around defenseman who I think could be a potential Division One prospect because he's that good. Yeah, Jake will be their their anchor on the back end. And uh, you mentioned Mossy Kearney; he was he's a fun guy to watch. I mean, you talk about what Trober just your eyes light up. But Kearney is an honest hockey player, great IQ, knows whom he's playing with and where they're going to be and. Because into the corners, as yep. you said, not the biggest guy, but no one of the corners, and he backtracks. I mean, he's a he's a coach's dream. He is, and that's and I think that's why he's sort of the perfect guy to build around for Foley this year. And I think that's going to be why they stick around number one, whether they're at one all year or they move. I, I to me, I don't see how they move out of the top four. I don't see how any of these teams fall out of the top four, just given how good they are. And then Jarrell, then another one is a Buffoni on on D. He's another really good uh, defenseman. So Pope Francis again, they got the goalie. They've got a solid defenseman, and they're going to have uh, scoring up front. So they're just going to kind of be the same thing as they always are, which is very good. Zavarian, though, Pouillot-Porter coming back, I think, is the main reason why they are four. But as I said to you, like Pouillot-Porter gets a lot of the attention, as he should. I think he's the biggest X factor. We say it every year. What's the biggest thing come tournament time? Goaltending. That is number one. But they have a lot of good, solid players coming back. Up front, Colvin Callahan's a guy I've had my eye on. Jack Fitzpatrick's a big, a big guy. Just I think, a sophomore. Just a sophomore. Like, yeah. I think he's a guy that has a lot more to give. And I, I saw it at, at the hockey, at the hockey festival back in the spring and everything. So I think those are two. And Cole LeBlanc on D and Devin Gosiak up front. Like, I think that team has a sneaky amount of depth, which is going to pair great with the goaltending. Uh, depth and talented depth. Yeah. Uh, uh, on defense, you mentioned Cola Blank, who's 
he can take the puck and go, and they cover up for each other. But defense is the, is one of their strengths this year because they've got big Tay Tao on a, a left shot balancing LeBlanc, but they've also got guys like uh, Michael McGrath, who saw a lot of time last year, Matt Dion, whose older brother is playing at Babson, and uh, the guys up front you mentioned, Gosiak and Fitzpatrick and Callahan, but two other guys up front that they've got, Jesse Peck and Jack O'Neill, mm-hmm. are their captains. Yep. They're kind of, you know, they're never going to be mentioned with the highest scorers in the state, but they're really smart players. They work hard. Peck gets big goals. O'Neill, I don't think he's lost a face-off in a long time. <laughs> and Severian's always got a great knack for killing penalties. Mm. And these two kids have been on the penalty kill, along with a kid named Sean Pohl, who's a very good player. And they, they're blessed with a lot of guys that have played a lot of hockey for that team. They, like I said the, earlier, the Catholic Conference, they feed in JV and freshman kids who are good and have been good at that level, but they may not have tasted varsity competition these kids have played, mm-hmm. and we mentioned earlier they lost eight games last year. That didn't phase them. They they kind of built on that saying, okay, this is a learning process, and we'll get better as we get deeper into the into the schedule, and they do play a tough schedule outside the league too, like all these teams do. So they get better as the season goes on. It's a short learning curve and a quick learning curve, but these kids have responded and they've been to the garden twice. Yes. That's another thing. And they've got the great goaltender. So they can win close, low-scoring games. They don't need six or seven goals a game, they, like, like some teams do. Exactly. But a, they don't. And all four of those teams, by the way, have great coaches. I think that's another big part yeah. of it. I mean, I mean that, we're going to see that throughout everybody we talk yeah. about. Coaching, <laughs> in the MIA, especially Division One. well, all the divisions, they're so blessed with, with excellent coaches. Isn't it interesting? And a lot of coaches that have stuck around for a really long time and care— that's the big one. They care. You go. I mean, a lot. All these teams we mentioned have coaches that have been there a long time and and have quite big legacies. So we we did the four. Those are the four favorites in our mind. But that doesn't mean that's where it ends. There's a lot of teams outside of those four who I think could challenge for that. And we're gonna kind of roll through some of them. Uh, a lot of publics, some privates as well, some Catholic I, conference teams. I was just thinking about that. The 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 four Catholics at the top, and now. Our next three or four are public school teams, and it's not that we're trying to say the publics aren't as good as the privates. It's just kind of the way the division breaks down this year. It is, and is, and there's been years when some publics have been up in the top in the top two or three. So, but again, it's just sort of the way that things shake out. Who do you want to start with for for teams that could potentially challenge those top four? Well, I think I think the the obvious place to start is down on the South Shore team that went into the tournament as a three seed last year and didn't. It, the tournament didn't go as well as they planned, but they had a tougher road, too. But that's Hingham. The Harbormen always have uh, – they're an independent, number one. So they make their own schedule, and there's nobody they won't play. Yeah, uh, They get in some tournaments. They get in the, the Ed Burns, of course, which is the cream of the crop in, among the public schools. Uh, they're in a great new tournament uh, <clears throat> this year between Christmas and New Year's. It's going to take place in Braintree. Hingham, Braintree, Zaverian, whom we've just mentioned, and Archbishop Williams, who is one of my also there on bubble teams. Sleeper teams. Sleeper teams. Archbishop Williams, is a it, the, the program's growing, but they're going to get, not their baptism of fire, but they're going to be in that tournament with those three kind of heavyweights mm-hmm. in a great tournament. But Hingham will show up there. Talking to some of the Hingham players at, at the summit the other day, they open up with St. John's Prep, then they've got CM, and they've also got Marshfield all before New Year's, 
plus that tournament that we just mentioned. I don't know how the pairings are what in there. What a gauntlet of teams. Yeah, but they're going to play either Zaverian, Braintree, or Archbishop Williams and a second one of those teams. So there's there's five games before New Year's, six games, five games before New Year's that are among the top 12 or 14 teams in the state, and Hingham's going to play them all. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. But that's that's normal for them. It's and that's what that's why they've been, they're always in the mix. They did lose some players. Chase McKenna, I believe, they lost. Net Aiden Brazel's a tough loss. Or excuse me, Chase McKenna's a defense. What am I talking about? Lost him. Luke McClellan, I believe, they lost in net. Aiden Brazel was one of their top forwards. They lost him. Ace Kincannon, Billy Jacobus. Yep. But they returned some good players, and I think that's where like. And Hingham always produces good kids. A lot of these Hingham, Arlington, Marshfield, they always produce Framingham, <laughs> which we'll get to in a bit. They, I mean, they produce the best players. Of course. Um, but, but Hingham, Arlington, Marshfield, those schools produce kids all the time. And what's funny is, I think I've said this to you before, when I look at prep rosters, a lot of kids are from Hingham. A lot of prep schools have kids from Hingham. And it's amazing to me that Hingham is still as good as they are without the kids that, that leave for prep. I think that's a fascinating thing. And I'd love to talk to Tony Messina about that at some point because it's an interesting point. But they have a lot of good guys returning too. Yeah, I mean that, that conversation comes up a lot among the, the, the good public programs. And it's, it's a, a credit to the youth programs in towns like Hingham, Arlington, Reading, Marshfield, Braintree, Framingham. Franklin coming in yep. to the picture more now. But the youth programs produce so many numbers. Hingham is near some prep schools, and they get their friends that are there talking to them. Even if they're not Hingham kids, they're telling them, oh, the grass is always greener. So Hingham loses kids. A Division two team, Linfield on the North Shore, loses a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. They've got a great youth program traditionally. Reading has been able to keep a lot of their kids Hingham keeps a lot of kids, even though they lose kids. It's and I, I know, it's like so I'm talking, many. and and Arlington going back maybe the last ten years, they've kept a lot of kids, but they're starting to lose some kids, and that's going to affect the Arlington program. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But back to Hingham, they have pride. They they were one of the first to say this is Team 68 or something, or Team 69, and and the coaching staff and the culture there builds in that. Hey, you got to have pride in this. It's for the town. The whole town wants you here, and they play in that old barn, Pilgrim Arena. Isn't it incredible? I was just going to think. <laughs> I was just going to say that it's a crazy old barn. I mean, that's where they. That's where all the kids learn to skate and learn yep. to play youth hockey. So it kind of blends in as they move forward. And the Hingham Girls Program is a good program too. So it's Hingham Pride. It's Harborman Pride. The whole town gets behind the program, all their sports, but gets behind that. And they're a fun group. The coaches are great guys, and the kids are brought up to to be part of that culture and have pride. They do. And again, some of the guys come back, Travis Rugg, Brady Gannon, Jack Rakowskis on the back end. They're going to have a good team again. I think they're going to be a team that competes for sure. Yeah, we, we were able to talk to some of their captains, and Rakowskis, is, he scored a big goal in the Ed Burns tournament in, in like the 18th overtime, it seemed, for Hingham. And he's, he's a solid defenseman, stay at home for the most part, even though he scored that goal. But guys up front, Paul Javik has been there. He's one of their captains. And, and as you mentioned, Brody Hoare back there, Travis Rugg, 
Uh, Brody Horse, uh, I've got him mixed up. He's on another team. But, <laughs> There's a lot uh, of my kids, mind Paul. is still in Marlboro. <laughs> yeah, but a lot uh, of kids. He's, he's a St. John Shrewsbury kid. But he lo- he looks like he dresses in Hingham exactly. attire. The colors are the They're same. Close enough. Travis Rigg is a kid who's matured. He's played since a freshman year and uh, does a great job up front for them. And they've they've got some open spots from the kids that left last year. Chase McKenna was a great defenseman. Awesome. And defense. he's got a younger brother, Connor. That I think I know he plays lacrosse, but I think he's going to be. Uh, part of the program here too and and a good rising young sophomore youngster with the last name of Allen he's got he's got great hockey bloodlines and we'll look for the future of Hingham hockey and kids like that oh 100% it's funny you mentioned town pride when I think back to the tournament last year I remember when we were at Songus for the semifinals and the Reading Zavarian game came up and Reading, the whole town the whole of Reading yeah. came to that game. I, like, I don't think that's an exaggeration. A lot of pride there. And they lose Laz Giardina to Lawrence Academy. They, they lose Evan Panucci. They lose Mark Boyle. I believe both of them uh, graduated. But we talk about X factors and we mentioned this with Zavarian. Reading returns Chris Hannafin in net, which I think is the main reason why we kind of have them ranked fairly high or higher than Reading would typically be ranked. Reading last year was the 14 seed in the tournament. I think people forget they went on. I mean, that is a great run. That goes to show you how sort of the magic of the MIAA tournament that a 14 seed can go all the way to the to the to the semifinals. So to me, Reading is a team that is still going to be in it. Chris Hannafin and I think Cam Fay, he's their main guy up front. I think those two are going to be a core. They have depth around them. So to me, I think Reading is is another team like Hingham that is going to be challenging those top four and going to be challenging to be in the top ten all year. Yeah, I think it was great. But Coach Mark Darty, one of the the best in the state, talking about legacies. His yeah. dad, Peter Darty, was a a Hall of Fame coach, and Mark Darty's headed there as well. And I'm sure when he, they came out and they were 14, I'm sure he winked and said, "Great, great! Don't anybody watch us. <laughs> Underestimate us. We'll just see what happens." The Middlesex League is—it's not every night there's a, a do or die game, but over the course of the season. You get better playing the teams in the Middlesex League. Belmont's had a great run. Everyone knows about Arlington, Winchester, Woburn, Burlington tradition, and Reading's right there in the middle. And last year, they, they the cream rose to the, the top at the end of the season, and they made a great run. They were only a goal away from making the Garden. That was and, it. And they've won Division One championships under a different format. They've played in Super 8s over the years. The tradition there, the town, I mean, the, the, they won a championship several years ago and the whole cry was the zip code that was their cry they had t-shirts made up and hats and it and the only cheer was zero oh one eight six seven that was the, the whole town was saying it and it was like like you say top of the morning on the, the irsa on st patrick's day you'd walk by someone in reading and they just go oh eight oh one eight six seven go rockets <laughs> that's incredible and, and it's a great tradition there's all sports but hockey is is number one in reading and uh, Mark Darty's not going to let that go the way of the gutter perch a golf ball or whatever. But yeah, but he's going to keep it rolling. And I, I think he'd say, don't rank us that high this year. We'll just be where we belong. But they belong in the top 10. They do. And there's no way to uh, to miss them in, in there. Another one is Marshfield. Uh, they're always in it. They're one of the publics to me that is kind of always in the mix, always making an impact. They're always a tough team to play against. 
Uh, and they feel like it's another year. I know they lost Brady Quack and Bush and Nett, who had an amazing, great goalie, amazing high school career. Now over at Phillips Exeter, I actually saw him this past weekend at the Exeter, Invita- Exeter Invitational, and he that, that he's he's fine in his game and prep. It takes a little bit of time. Goalies Anthony Palmer's going to figure that out this year with Avon Old Farms. He's going to see more guys shooting from downtown. Yes, I'll tell you that. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, you're going to face a little bit tougher shots, but they still they return their their top producers: Tommy Carroll, Ryland McGlay. McLean and Cam McKedrick. So Marshfield's going to be in that as well. I think Marshfield might be. They're in the top 10. I think they may be a sleeper. Mm-hmm. And they went deep last year. They lost to Pope Francis in a close game. I think that was an overtime game. and Or they would have been the final four. And Pope would have been out. And again, great coach. Dan Conley, great coaching yep. staff. He's got great guys that they don't want to leave. They want to be there. They play a great schedule outside their league. They're in... Uh, the tournament that's in Framingham, the Pat Serio Cup, the MHL yep. Cup, and that's a good tournament. They get not their feet wet, but they, they will be a strong contender to win it this year. They play Hingham on, on New Year's Eve. They play in the, the Ed Burns tournament, so they face all the top public schools that they don't see on a regular basis. And as you mentioned, those three guys, they had them playing as a line in the, in the Summit game, the Summit mini game they had against, they played St. John Shrewsbury. And those kids want to play together. <laughs> yeah. McGetrick, McLean, and, and Tommy Carroll. Tommy Carroll's kind of a fire plug. He's scored some big goals for them over the years. It was funny. We watched his sophomore year. He was all over the ice every game we watched, but it took him, like, to their 15th game to score a goal. And then the floodgates <laughs> opened. And it was like a big relief. And he, hasn't, he hasn't stopped yet. Oh, my goodness. He's he's won some games with an overtime goal that we had that, in a game we had. But... Fun guy to watch, gives you the 110% the whole game. And the other two are kind of the skilled guys, the the, the uh, trigger guys. And if you coach Dan Conley, do you, do you split those guys up and balance things off? Or do you put the three of them out there and go, okay, you play together as long as you get me six goals. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned goaltending. So they could play in, in low-scoring games last year. And, by the way, they had three senior defensemen last year that graduated that took up a lot of ice time. Mm-hmm. So defense is going to be a place where they've got a lot of new faces. There were guys on the team but didn't skate as much. Michael Bakarian is going to be the leader back there. Not the biggest guy, but he saw more time later in the season last year among those other guys that had been there regulars for two or three years. So defense is going to be something that they'll work at as as they get into the season, but it's going to put more pressure on the wings and, and the, the forwards in general to come back and play defense as well. Sometimes that can be tough. <laughs> well, you got to do it. Uh, it. If you get the right captains in place, which they do, they do. They're going to. They're going to uh, lead the way. They will. Another public school team, we talk about them every year, Arlington. Arlington will be in it, as they always are. They're going to be a young team. They're always pretty young. Or they're, they're, they were a little bit young last year. They're going to be young again. But they were the number six seed in the tournament. They made it all the way to the Sweet 16 last year. Or they lost to Braintree. John Missouri always has that team ready to go. I think the one interesting loss is Liam Gore. Went to the Chicago Mission out in the middle of the country. Uh, they lost Jake Russell as well. But uh, one guy I'll say is a, a candidate, for me at least, to be one of the best defensemen in the MIAA is Evan Jones, freshman last year, who they relied on heavily, great puck mover, just such calm breakouts. And you, you know this, Paul, the MIAA, four checks are hard. Guys, well, physicality is a big thing still in the MIAA. And Evan Jones was one of the calmest defensemen I'd ever seen break the puck out and he was a freshman so i think that's going to be a team again that is young but missouri always has them in the mix 
Yeah, they're they're a little bit of a puzzle this year because uh, they did, as you said, they lost some of their key skill guys. Evan Jones, there's going to be a lot on his shoulders. Uh, yes. I mean, he saw a lot of ice time last year. He's very calm at his own end, as you said. Moves the puck very well. If I were a college coach, I'd be all over him saying, you're going to be a center for me. Because I, <laughs> you're going to set everybody up. I, I think he could be a great forward because he's got the skating ability. He's got the puck movement. He's got the hockey IQ. The offensive um, ability is everything. It's good hockey legacy. That's an interesting thought. Well, I, it, John Mazzori is going to want him out there 45 minutes <laughs> playing wherever. He might put him in goal. I was going to say, John's going to put him out there for 45 minutes for sure. Uh, and Kevin O'Connor's a good returner. He's one of their captains this year, and he's going to, there's going to be a lot of weight on his shoulders too. So I think Coach Missouri, who's, who's a, a Hall of Fame coach as well, a couple of state titles at, at two different teams, as a matter of fact, Winchester and Arlington, I think his approach is going to be let's play every game as one at a time like everybody does, but, you know, it's, it's human nature to look a little bit ahead depending on whom your opponent is. Yes. But – I think Arlington would be happy if they got through the season at 12 and 8 in the regular season, got better as they went along, got more ice time out of the kids as they go along, and then come tournament time, you know, play Arlington hockey and have some pride. That's another one that if you go to a, a tournament game in Arlington early in the tournament, the place is packed. Oh, yeah. And everybody is there for the tradition. They know it's a spy pawn pride. And they're going to give everything they have down to the last out. Oh, 100%. And that's why, to me, like, you nailed it with, you know, get through the regular season, get in the tournament, see what happens, and play your best hockey at the end of the season. I think if that's the move for them, I think they are going to be uh, successful uh, in how they do it. Two more teams uh, that we can kind of mention as some of the uh, favorite sleepers. Two Catholic Conference teams in BC High and uh, St. John Shrewsbury. St. John Shrewsbury... Um, I think they were the number, I want to say the number nine seed in the tournament last year. I think they were a little under 500, but that's because they record, you know, they play such a tough schedule that that's, that's sort of the name of the game for, for those teams. And I think, you know, they have a lot of guys returning that I think top scores from last year who were juniors who are now seniors. And then BC High, as John Flaherty returned as head coach, they're always in the mix. Uh, they sort of got, you know, Federico and Feinberg are gone to the, to prep schools. They are in Milton Academy, but I still think they're going to be in the mix. They're going to have more stability this year. So I think those are two teams that, that are, that are going to compete and going to make some noise throughout the year. What do you think? Yeah. Talk about BC High first. BC High's had, had kind of a an unusual two or three year period here, yeah. Where they've had some kids they knew were going to leave going back a couple of years, including Coach Flaherty's son Ryan, who won a, a prep championship at Avon. That's right, he's at Avon and again, and he's got another year. They they had a great first line when Flaherty was there, and a couple of younger kids, and those kids are gone. And I think it's been sort of a not a culture change overall, but just a it's not as easy anymore as just filling those roles from the freshman to JV and stepping in and being mature and experienced. And they're not as deep as they once were the last couple of years. Now, I'm not familiar enough with the feeders, the freshman and the JV programs at BC High, but Flash is going to have to look at those kids to fill a lot of roles this year. Oh, yeah. That being said, they're BC High. Yes. And both BC High and Arlington – some people will watch this and say, well, they're only in there because of their names. Well, 
they are there because of their tradition and what they've done even in off, quote-unquote, off years, and also because of the two guys leading the program. Yes. Coach Missouri and Coach Flaherty. So, yeah, we have a lot of respect for those programs, and it's not to put down the teams that we don't include in here, but just over the long haul and then into the tournament – we expect these teams to be there. That's the thing. Those teams are always there making an impact. So I think that's going to be the same again. Um, when we get into some other teams that could make some noise. Uh, well, I, I do want to mention St. John's Pioneers of Shrewsbury yes, that yes, you mentioned. Yes. Because they were they were pretty impressive on Sunday. Okay. Uh, skating as Marshfield. Uh, not getting into each guy, but Luke Girardi's the captain. He's a, a veteran. He played with a couple of guys that are not there anymore, so a lot's going to be asked of him to get the younger kids moving. But there's a kid named Daniel Menyalkin, yes, who's a junior, who will open some eyes up there. Uh, he's a big, rangy, right-shot center. He got a couple of goals early against Marshfield. One was just a pill on a wrist shot, and he he takes up a lot of room. He gets to the, the sideboards easily, keeps pucks in, and as a team— they forecheck very well. It was almost like a five-man forecheck with, with wings covering for the defensemen when they went up. And they're going to be a team to contend with. That being said, their schedule's brutal. They're in the Catholic Conference. It's tough. they got to play home and away to all those other teams we've already mentioned. So it, it may be an uphill climb for them to be top eight, top seven, top six. But as you said, they were the nine seed coming in. With a record of nine, ten, and one, <laughs> under five hundred, their strength of schedule is so is so solid, and if they can move up a niche or two in the in the Catholic Conference pecking order, they may be a seven or eight seed going in the tournament. And I think they're a team that when we sit here in in March or late February and discuss the tournament, I think they're going to be a team that we say, oh, that's going to be a team that even as an eight or a nine seed is going to make a long run. I think that's a, a team yeah, that's I mean, going to be the case. Again, a great. Coach and coaching staff there. Mike Mead is their coach. He's an Arlington guy. Yep. And he knows the game and he knows how to motivate kids and he knows what he's got. And he's had some teams where the, the talent level wasn't that deep and he somehow is competitive and wins, pulls some upsets. And they went as far as the, the Elite Eight last year, losing only to St. John's Prep. So, yeah. They're a good team. They're, good program. They are a good team. Speaking of good teams, there's some other ones that are going to be even more of sleeper picks. I think that uh, it's an interesting thing because on the TV show we do this week, we can't really mention them. We're just going to go through the top ten. So now's our time to do a little bit of a deep dive on them. Um, where do you start with teams that uh, we haven't mentioned yet that I, could make a make a make a splash? I think the usual suspects. Some people may be surprised we leave these guys out of the top ten this year, but it's Braintree. Yeah, And Coach Fasano, he's there every year. He's built the program. The one question mark is all the kids they lost last year, Evan, as you mentioned. I think it was 15 seniors I think they lost. So that's a lot. I mean, and I think they only – so I looked at last year's roster. They only had five juniors, so now five seniors. So I think that's, that's to me, the big question mark. You, they lost a lot. And I, yeah. it's very hard to – lose that and still be a top 10 team, which is why they aren't. In our that box. being said, it wouldn't be a surprise to many of us if Braintree ends up with a, a single digit seed. Yes. If things work out. <laughs> I agree. And, uh, because they, again, outside of their league, uh, Dave Fasano tries to schedule some teams that are going to make them better as the season goes on. Same could be said for a couple of other teams there that are kind of usual suspects, including Wellesley, who surprised a lot of people last year. But Wellesley, again, they lost double-digit seniors, too. Yeah. 
and and they may not have the strong. I mean, I th- I think they were like twelve and zero at one point last year, something like that. But you get you get a guy out, a key guy out for a little bit for a couple of weeks, or you, your schedule has you up against a couple of big teams for a couple of weeks. Kids get sudden, sick. Yeah, kids get sick, and then all of a sudden your mindset is maybe we're not that good. But Wellesley had a great year last year. Paul Donato's a great coach. He's not going to let him get down for too long, but they have a lot of uh, refilling, backfilling to do this year. So maybe not a top 10 team, but we'll be competitive. 100%. And I'll mention another one, Framingham. I'll mention Framingham. I can't leave them off. They didn't make the tournament last year, which is, again, as a Framingham guy, that's like, seriously? But they have Noah Albright and and Jeremy Aron returning, two of, two of the stronger forwards in the MIAA, especially Noah Albright, I think one of the better forwards in the MIAA. They have some talented defensive back in Jack Kurzman, big rangy guy. So their thing is just sort of maturity. Yeah, they were an immature team last year, so they didn't make the tournament. So I think that's going to be their big thing this year. And I think with Dan Riva and that coaching staff, I think they're going to be able to. Yeah, Dan, I think, is in his third year now. And, yeah, and third year. He, so he's he's got his mindset and his culture set. And this will be a breakout year for Framingham. They talked to a couple of guys that watched them the other day and said their speed was really impressive in the mini game out in uh, Marlborough. Speed helps a lot. And, and again, it's cut with that program now better than a lot of people have in that once their confidence gets built and they knock off a Natick, they knock off a Wellesley and, and they start ra- rising in their own league. Now they can play outside teams. They can have a couple of challenges in the tournament between Christmas and New Year's. You win one or two of those games. All of a sudden, they start buying into what coach is saying, and Dan's a great hockey guy. So that's the thing, and that's why I, I agree. I think that again, they didn't make the tournament last year, but uh, you know, I've t- talked to them, and they've said the same thing. Like this feels like a lot different than last year. They feel more confident, and I think they have a better roster now. They did lose Brendan Peck to Brooks, who I think if he did return that Good athlete, I think that would be a team that we yeah. would heavily consider for the top ten, but. I still think they're going to be really good, and in my heart of hearts, I hope they're, they're going to be good. I can't. When I went to the tournament last year, there was no Framingham. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this is it's not normal. So good, they're going to be in the mix. Uh, another team I'll highlight is Franklin. Franklin's going to be really good. Franklin has the some key forwards back from last year: Ben Patterson, Dan Daly, Anthony Lampasona, and Dylan McAvoy. All last year had uh, a good amount of points. Uh, they got all the way to the Sweet 16 last year. I think they're going to be in it as well. They're going to be a sleeper team. Sleeper is a good word. They Coach Blaine's done a great job there, and they're not the biggest team you're ever going to see. They've got some small, speedy forwards, but they are an old term. They're puck hounds. Yeah, they they chase pucks and they they work very well together up front. I think one thing that might hurt Franklin, and they're trying to work on that long range, is the schedule. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. They don't they don't have a lot of the the heavy hitters, traditional heavy hitters on their schedule, but they've they've improved on that. They play St. John's Prep at the end of the year now. They're getting in they're gonna be in that tournament in, in Framingham. Yep. Where they're gonna play three very good teams or two very good teams out of the other three. Yes. And that builds confidence, it builds experience and when you do that, y- your team gets better over the course of the year. And as you said, to wit, they came in as, uh, yeah, the number 12 seed. The record's 16 and 5. You, somebody from outside might look at that and go, 16 and 5, they should be the three seed. Yeah. But again, strength of schedule hurts their seeding, but it doesn't hurt who you are. No, it doesn't. And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's the thing with any tournament, whether it's in college or, or high school, is you got to have a strong schedule to 
to get a higher seed in tournaments. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you have another team you mentioned a little bit earlier, Archbishop Williams, that you think is going to be pretty good. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't have a, you know number by number on these guys, but I saw them play a couple of times last year, and they're very competitive. They they play as a team. There's no there's no Mike Bossy out there scoring a hundred <laughs> goals for them. But I don't they, know if there's any Mike Bossies in no, MIA right now. But they're well coached. They they try to schedule. To, I I saw a couple of periods when they played Pope Francis, and they skated with him before Pope Francis kind of as the game went on got the the spread went. And I think it was a five two final, if I recall correctly. But Archie's is a program, both boys and girls hockey, that is growing, and they're dedicated to to. Moving into, I say the the phrase too often because if I'm saying it, you don't know everything I'm telling you because I certainly don't know everything you're telling me, Evan. But but some folks know. Yes, Archbishop some have an Williams, idea. The Catholic Central League has been a little bit upended in recent years with Austin Prep's departure and St. Mary's Mark Lee, who coached there for about a hundred years, a legend. And he's not there anymore, but Coach Smith will take over for him. And St. Mary's a little bit of they're they're on this same list, but they're a little bit of a question mark this year in terms of being a top 10 team. You just don't know because they've lost some kids, as you mentioned before, a pretty good goaltender and and some other kids, some other kids play a couple, you don't know, but you know, play a couple of years and then depart for other places. But St. Mary's Archie's in the hunt for that Catholic central league crown and spot for home ice in the top 16 anyway have we missed any teams are there any i mean obviously there's other teams but i feel like for what we're talking about right like you have the top four and then you've got kind of everybody uh looking to knock those four off like belmont was a team last year that was in it but they lost cam Fiji, so that's a team they lost more than just cam yeah and i think that's gonna they're they're gonna be sort of a team with some question marks woburn's always in it i think in the middlesex league woburn and winchester are gonna surprise some people woburn had a very good second half and Winchester has some depth and a couple of good goalies this year, and both those teams are very well coached. So with the Middlesex League, Reading really being the top dog this year, Woburn and Winchester always want to take a shot at Arlington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they're going to get their wins, and there'll be factors come tournament time, and they'll be, they'll be battle-tested in that league from top to bottom. So Middlesex League always produces some teams, a surprise team, the Bay State League, as you mentioned, too. Yep. And the other league, the Merrimack Valley Conference, where Lincoln Sudbury has a foot, a stronghold. But again, their schedule is not like like Tewksbury Division Two team. Lincoln Sudbury plays a lot of D1 and some D2 teams. Tewksbury more D2 teams. But the two maybe sleepers in the Merrimack Valley Conference sleepers, at least factors, will be Andover and Central Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ellis has a new coach, David Marinov. Some of the last name, David Marinovsky's their head coach. So uh, I don't know. Well, they got the right name anyway. He's got a good last name. The right, that's, that's the right a, family ties. Yeah, he's got he's got that going for him. The last name, but yeah, I agree. I think that there's going to be a a lot of teams that are going to be in it. But again, we kind of have our four favorites. But who knows, Paul? It, it, you know what? Like. Every season, my guess is those four will stay the same throughout the season, but then we get to the tournament and it's going to be just mayhem, which is the most fun. That is the best. What can the, what can people look forward to for My Hockey Live this year and, and kind of what you guys are doing? Because you guys do a really good thing. Thank you for that that layup. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I, of course. My Hockey Live, this will be our either 10th or 11th season, depending on what details you, you go by. But we, we've we've gotten our niche in the community, the hockey community. And, yep. And are, we're there to support the coaches and the kids while trying to pay the bills 
for getting crews out to do the games. And we've had great reception from all the coaches. I mean, if it were an un, if it were uh, an unlimited budget for these guys, they'd have us doing more games even. Yes. But uh, we hope to to move around as the season comes up. We, we've got footholds in some some traditional tournaments, the Falmouth tournament. In February, the MHL Pet Serial Cup in Framingham. Yep. You guys uh, were always there when I was playing. It was yeah, great. You yeah, can watch the games after. Great tradition. We've been part of the Ed Burns tournament now uh, for its two years, and we hope to be with them again this year. And then, obviously, when the MIA tournament starts, we're all over the place every night. And we're up to potentially six crews now. Wow. So we've got some schools that, that have bought big packages. We've We've done a lot of games for several of the teams in the Catholic Conference. We follow we follow those teams, but they they are clients. And I don't I don't mean to say that we pick teams we think are the best. We pick teams that we can do business with and create relationships with, but but schools that are able to underwrite that as well. Absolutely. Whether it's, whether it's from boosters groups, parents groups, or uh, the school itself. And it, it's a different niche from every school we're open to all schools. We're doing far more girls' games now. I mentioned before, and we've got packages with Archbishop Williams, Malden Catholic, and Hingham girls' schools, girls' teams in particular. And we'll be at ranks covering the teams we have for years, the Zavarians, Malden Catholic, St. John Shrewsbury, and Hingham, among some others, too. I know I'm leaving someone out, and I apologize, but Central Catholic is a big client. There's so many. Too. I mean, you can't get everybody. Central Central's a very good client, so I don't want to leave those. No, of out. course. Of course not. But, yeah, Paul, this is great. We always love having you in. I'll see you later this week when we record the show, and then uh, we'll see each other a lot this winter, which is always which is always fun. Uh, and, Paul, thank you for coming on. So when we come back, uh, it's Girls MIAA with Pat Donnelly. Thank you, Evan. And we're back with Patrick Donnelly. Pat, we're back. We're talking MIA girls. Yeah. How have you been, first of all? How, is, how have you been? Busy. Like, the season's in full swing now, so we're going to all the rinks. Thanksgiving weekend was busy with a big cannonball run to New York to watch BU lose in heartbreaking fashion at Red Hot Hockey. It's like rooting for the Maple Leafs. That's right. Um, we did. We discovered that BU is Toronto of college hockey. I've been, I've been sitting on that take going back to like my junior year at BU. Okay. You know, all this history, all these expectations, and they just, until like senior year, they got that bean pot. They just keep finding ways to let you down. They do. They do. Yeah. But you know what? We won't be worrying about it when they're in the Frozen Four in, in April. So. Yeah, well, it, maybe. But at least they get further in uh, the tournament than, like, Toronto does in the NHL. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll give them yeah. that. But anyways, so Girls at My A Hockey obviously is going to be a thing that you do a lot with this uh, yeah. this winter. It's very interesting stuff. Obviously, last year, i got to give props to Division Two champs, Duxbury. They beat Canton in a good yep. game. And then in Division One, which was the primetime 7 p.m. slot game, or I think that game, if memory serves... So th- my, I was there for all six games last year from like 9 a.m. Yeah. until when it, you know, 11 p.m. When, when I left. But so that St. Mary Shrewsbury game was the primetime game. But I think it started at like 8 or 8 30 oh, because yeah, they never start on time. No, because the game before it went to a couple overtimes. Yep. So yep. I was fried at that point, but it still was an awesome game. Shrewsbury ruined St. Mary's undefeated season. So it was exciting stuff. Yeah, St. Mary's was like a buzzsaw last year. Nobody can stop them. And come tournament time, Shrewsbury turned into the buzzsaw. They've taken down NDA. I think they also took down, might have been Haverhill, or might have been Hingham. 
if I remember the bracket correctly. Yeah. No, um, it's funny. We were, I think it's, you're right. I think it was. NDA and Hingham. Yes. yes. What's funny, I remember I did color commentary for My Hockey Live for the two semifinal girls games at Loring Arena because it was just nearby. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing Shrewsbury and being like, oh. They're pretty damn good. Yep. And then I was like, St. Mary's going to have a tough game on their hands. And Shrewsbury obviously pulled it out. So interesting stuff all around. We had a story recently run on December 4th where you highlighted 10 players to watch. And a lot of the best teams in the state have been represented. It's tough because Division One and Division Two are close. You yep. have Duxbury yep. kind of the king of Division Two, But, I mean, they could easily compete in Division One. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of – I feel like it's similar-ish enough. Yeah. But who are some of the players you're going to be watching this year? Yeah, so I mean, in this we had a pretty good mix of D1 and D2. So I mean, yep. just, you know, starting off is Caroline Doherty at Hingham. She's just the real deal. What she's done so far as a freshman and sophomore, now she's going to be a junior. I believe her career total points, 116. Oh, it's not bad. Um, <laughs> decent. Like last year, 25 goals, 23 assists. She had a seven-goal game. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the, the question just becomes, you know, what? How how just how much can she produce in a single season? And yep. physically maturing, getting mentally stronger and just learning the game a little more, just sky's the limit for, yeah. her, for her at Hingham. That's an easy one. And and I think, you know, again, you mentioned uh you're gonna be a junior and already has uh, 116 points. I think that's someone who's gonna continue to set records. It's always funny with high school sports. Um you see just the mind-boggling numbers. Yep. There was a kid in football this year, I remember, who people were talking about. I forget what school it was. It was in mass, and he had, like, 400 rushing yards, like, two interceptions on yeah, defense. Like, that's the beauty of high school sports yep. is you get these kinds of stats. But then you know, Archbishop Williams has Caroline Batchelder, who's going to be a good forward for them, too. Yeah, just wanted to quickly mention also at Hingham is Addie Garrity, kind of okay. uh, Doherty's partner in crime down the middle. She had, I think it was, might have been 33 points last year, give or take. Stats are a little hard to come by. Yep. But, you know, the two of them, that one-two punch for Hingham is is pretty elite. If you, you want to send, if you want to get your stats and send it to patrick.donnelly yes, at siemensmedia.com. Send you have the, no send idea the how helpful that will be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Caroline Batchelder at, at Archie's, you know, 25 points last year. We talked to Dougie Nolan. He thinks high-end shot, physical, and even her puck handling ability. So she can dish it and score it. Um, Going to be a junior. Again, like Caroline Doherty. Could could see a big step. Yeah, and, and I think uh, you know they're going to be uh, certainly competitive. Uh, other forwards that you have, uh, you had Jen Berolini from Pembroke. You've got Emily Jones from Algonquin Hudson, Harper Friedholm at LS. I mean, what are you sort of expecting out of them and 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 those teams too? Because um, those aren't you know LS. I guess isn't a team that you typically you know that I don't believe they were in the uh, the the final four last year or anything. But I think players like that can really elevate a, a team like that yeah especially Jen Berlini at Pembroke we talk about pretty pretty decent numbers she's already at 124 points yeah 124 and she's going to be a junior so again sort of those just outrageous product <laughs> she had 40 goals last season I think she's been on the team since she was an eighth grader she's just kind of been the heartbeat of the offense yeah um, and to do it as a sophomore last year 40 yeah. goals is incredible yeah so it's again it's another one of those players where it's the, the sky is the limit and you kind of you almost want to laugh at the numbers, just <laughs> how ridiculous crazy. it is and what she could do this year with, again, a more more experience under her belt. And then, yeah, sort of the same thing at um, LS and Algonquin Hudson. Um, Algonquin was 18-4-1, and one, and so Emily Johns was, you know, pretty pretty crucial that last year. She's mm-hmm. 35 points. Um, they made the D2 Elite Eight. And at LS, I think there was 17-5-0. Harper Friedholm had 19 goals, set 95 career points. 
So again, the senior year, she's got a milestone right there in front of her. Get to a hundred. Yep. And should have a pretty, pretty solid squad too. Yeah. LS got to the sweet 16 last year where they fell to sandwich one nothing, which is a classic MIA game, lose one nothing. Yeah. Uh, Paul and I were just talking about all the boys games that were one nothing in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. And Freedom too, like it's kind of hockey's probably just for fun. She's committed to Cornell for lacrosse. Oh so. my God. Okay. So it's, it's even better when you get an athlete who, um, it's just kind of the other thing on the side. Yeah. They're, they're better at something. Else. And they're just really good at yeah, hockey. Yep, yep. That's like uh, Jake Vanna on the boys' side with SJP. He's committed to Princeton for lacrosse, and mm-hmm. he's just a ridiculous hockey player. And it's like, oh, my God, you must be so much better at lacrosse. So uh, I'm always fascinated by that stuff. On D, you have a lot of defensemen on in this piece. Allison Carreri at eight Boxbro, Vanessa Hall at St. Mary's. A uh, lot of – obviously a lot of uh, motivation at St. Mary's to come yep. back and avenge what happened last year. You also have Sarah Francis and NDA Hingham. What are you kind of expecting out of not just those players but those teams as well? Yeah, so I'm actually really excited to see what Vanessa Hall does la- this year. So last year, we had it we had it incorrect in the story at first. We had her as an eighth grader. She was actually a seventh grader last oh year. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so she wasn't – I don't think she was on we the We owned up to our mistakes. We owned yeah, up to our mistakes. Yeah, we did. We did. But, you know, 20 points – on the blue line as a seventh grader last year. That's crazy. <laughs> seventh and grader. And she's going into eighth grade this year. Just, I mean, another one of those players where if we're talking about her in, say, three years when she's a junior man, like just the type of numbers that she could have on the blue line. And St. Mary's, obviously, they lose a lot of the key production, namely Jenna Chaplin, who's off to D1, I believe. Hmm. But, I, I mean, just the, the motivation. Frank Pagliuca always has those teams ready to go. I, th- I think they're going to be just fine and in the mix again. And then Allison Correri at Acton Boxborough, kind of just do it all, do it all defender back there. Yeah, nineteen goals from on defense factored in on almost like well over half of their goals total on the, for the team last year. So she's obviously one to watch. And then at NDA Hingham, Sarah Francis is kind of their headliner on the back end. Mm-hmm. John Finley just raved about her sp- smarts with the puck. She gets shots quick off from the point. So she's. A little more of the where Corey is kind of the goal scorer from the back end. She's a little more of set up and puck moving. Um, but again, 20 assists last year, so pretty good. Yeah, I can attest. I saw Sarah Francis last year in the uh, elite, or excuse me, in the final four against uh, Shrewsbury, and she was terrific and really good talent. So I agree. I think those teams and those players are going to be interesting to watch. Vanessa Hall, though, I can't get over it, an eighth grader this year. Yep. I mean, yep. that's it's funny. We obviously have a, we have a lot of uh, prep listeners who listen to this. I mean, St. Mary's is a great team. I'm curious if she's going to start getting uh, prep school looks or yeah. college looks. But again, she's in eighth grade. It's just like college is not for a long time. Like yep, yep. GTA six will be out when she's <laughs> when she's getting college looks. My gamer friends will understand yeah. that reference. Hey, I mean, she'll be like the myth of like the local hockey circles if she starts talk like starts college interests, whatever. I remember like when I was playing, it was like eighth grade. Jake Wise was the talk of the yes. town. He's like, guys, you hear he's already verbally committed to BU. <laughs> We're sitting there in like science class. <laughs> you're like, you're, like, you're learning about like Pangea in history class. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah, you got braces yeah. and everything. But, but yeah, so that's gonna be interesting. I'm curious to see her season. You're gonna have to get out to some. We're gonna have to both have to get out to some St. Mary's games. Yeah. Uh, you have a couple of goalies on this list. Anna McGinty with Duxbury was a great goalie last year. Mm-hmm. Helps them get a championship. And then you have Elise Muti over at Peabody Linfield North Reading. We've talked Duxbury is kind of a team that's always in it. And mm-hmm. they I think Anna McGinty is a senior. We we talked about on the boys' side. X factor for every team come tournament time is 
how are you in net? I oh, think yeah. Duxbury having her in net makes all the difference. Yeah, and 54, 5, and 5 through her first three seasons. <laughs> not, basically never loses. <laughs> I, you know, we talk about the outrageous stats. I just, part of the, one of the things I love about like high school hockey goalies is especially if like, if you're on the good team, you're usually just putting up video game numbers. Yes. Um, so 944 nine last year, goals against under one, 11 shutouts, like, X factor to the max. Yes. Um, and Matt Duxbury also has a forward Maddie Greenwood coming back. Yeah, I remember her. Three points in the championship game last year, if I remember correctly from talking to Dan Nigerian. And I might have been 28 points in the season for her, but, you know, just having, it's like what we talked about on the prep school side. Just when you, when you don't have to worry about your goalie at all, it just makes things so much easier. And then for, for Muti, just broke the program record for wins, 18, shutouts, 10 in a single season. Not bad, 938 save percentage. So yeah, they, re- they reached the Elite Eight. And just exactly that, when when you have the goalie all set, Peabody, Linfield, North Reading should be just fine. That's year. the thing. And again, she's now a junior. So yep. like you've you've had the experience last year of going there as a, uh, as a, as a sophomore and getting the Elite Eight. Now it's like, all right, you're a junior. You've experienced that. Yep. Team's a little bit better around you. Time to go even further. So I'm very curious to see what they do. Um, in terms of... Team favorites. I know you're currently in the in the middle of ranking your teams, so I, I don't want to spoil the story yeah. yet. But do you have to, what are who are some of the teams you have at the top that you're sort of really looking at for for this season? I have Shrewsbury uh, given the nod to the defending champ right up there. They have they have some pretty key returners coming back. I think it's uh, Mia Ryder had 14 points last year. If that's if those are if those are correct <laughs> again but, i can't i can't say enough if yeah, you have yeah. stats please send them in because we we need them we like them there are not a lot of stats out there and that goes for uh boys mia girls mia uh and girls prep boys prep has pretty good stats yeah. but uh, all those will take stats cannot undersell just how helpful it would be <laughs> please um, send stats and they also have yasmin mckenzie coming back those are a pair of 2025s that for their grad year that are coming back that had at least from what I'm looking at, had pretty good numbers last year. Yes. And so even then you look up and down the roster and there's not a whole lot of 2023 grad years there. Mm-hmm. So they, they should be returning back a good core. Um, and, you know, I have St. Mary's right there again. We talked about whether it's Vanessa Hall, some of the other players they have coming back, and just Frank Frank always has them ready to go. Yeah. And then I think PLNR will be right there with Elise Muddy or Muti. And I think whether it's either Hingham School, Hingham or NDA, with if you have Caroline Doherty, you're going to be pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then I think Sarah Francis not only um, just part of the core she she's part of at NDA, but she should be taking that leap next year. To and they were a Final Four team last year, so I mean. Again, John Finley's a great coach. He always has them ready to go, too. Yeah, I agree with you. And then on Division Two, again, I think Duxbury's always right yeah, there. Yeah. Archie's is there. Canton mm-hmm. will be there. Andover's another one. Yep. Like, I think those schools are kind of always in it. And I think, again, like, you'll see it this year with the tournament. It's such an exciting time on both sides. And I love the tournament. I know like Paul and I were just talking about the boys side and the girls side similar because a lot of those top teams do a lot of damage. But once they start playing each other, it all bets are off. And I think that's going to be a similar case this year. And again, like both girls games were really good state yeah. championship games last last March. So I'm curious to see what happens this year. Do you have any leftover thoughts from the MIAA uh, girl stuff that you won't be able to put out in print? Because we got we got to have people make sure we they yeah. read the content. Yeah. But anything that you don't have in there that that you're thinking about? No, I mean it's kind of exactly just what you were talking about with the tournament, where 
whether it's D1 or D2, like anything can happen. Usually anything does happen. Yes. And the best part is the final day at the garden where the games are starting late, but they're all good games. So it's worth it. Yeah. And so, yeah, just ready to ready for that. Yeah. I'm excited. And for you to kind of get your feet wet in the, in this, in this world, you've already been doing it a lot in prep. You've gotten your fill of prep. You had a lot of prep this weekend, oh, yeah. and, yep. but that's the life. Yeah. I was eggs there on Saturday. You're, you were at the ISL Keller showcase mm-hmm. on Sunday. So. That's the fun of it, but people can obviously look forward to a lot of girls MIA coverage this year, along with the boys MIA as well. But yeah, that's been the MIA preview episode. Lots of lots of stuff that we discussed, and there'll be a lot of stuff this year. So Pat, we appreciate you taking the time. Love the coverage as always. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, that's been Rinkwise. It's a Siemens Media production. I'm Evan Marinovsky, and you Rinkwise listeners have a great rest of your week. <laughs>